0: Book 1, Chapter 12 of The League of the Scarlet Pimpernel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Andros. The League of the Scarlet Pimpernel by Baroness Orczy. Book 1, Sir Percy Explains. Chapter Twelve Citizen Fouquier Tinville had returned home from the Palais at a very late hour that same evening. His household, in his simple lodgings in the Place Dauphine, was already abed, his wife and the twins were asleep. He himself had sat down for a moment in the living room, in dressing gown and slippers, and with the late edition of the Moniteur in his hand, too tired to read. It was half-past ten when there came a ring at the front door-bell. Fouquier-Tinville, half-expecting Citizen Chauvelin to pay him a final visit, shuffled to the door and opened it. A visitor, tall, well-dressed, exceedingly polite and urbane, requested a few minutes' conversation with Citizen Fouquier-Tinville. Before the public prosecutor had made up his mind whether to introduce such a late-comer into his rooms, The latter had pushed his way through the door, into the antechamber, and, with a movement as swift as it was unexpected, had thrown a scarf round Fouquier-Tinville's neck, and wound it round his mouth, so that the unfortunate man's call for help was smothered in his throat. So dexterously and so rapid indeed had the miscreant acted, that his victim had hardly realized the assault before he found himself securely gagged and bound to a chair in his own anteroom, whilst that daredevil stood before him, perfectly at his ease, his hands buried in the capacious pockets of his huge caped coat, and murmuring a few casual words of apology. "'I entreat you to forgive, citizen,' he was saying, in an even and pleasant voice, "'this necessary violence on my part towards you.' but my errand is urgent and i could not allow your neighbors or your household to disturb the few minutes conversation which i am obliged to have with you my friend paul mole he went on after a slight pause is in grave danger of his life owing to a hallucination on the part of our mutual friend citizen chauvelin and i feel confident that you yourself are too deeply enamored of your own neck to risk it willfully by sending an innocent and honest patriot to the Gitti. Once more he paused and looked down upon his unwilling interlocutor, who, with muscles straining against the cords that held him, and with eyes nearly starting out of their sockets in an excess of fear and of rage, was indeed presenting a pitiful spectacle. I dare say that by now, citizen, the brigand continued and guessed who i am you and i have oft crossed invisible swords before but this methinks is the first time that we have met face to face i pray you tell my dear friend monsieur chevlon that you have seen me also that there were two facts which he left entirely out of his calculations perfect though these were the one fact was that there were two Paul Mollet's, one real and one factitious. Tell him that, I pray you. It was the factitious Paul Mole, who stole the ring and who stood for one moment gazing into clever citizen Chauvelin's eyes. But that same factitious Paul Mole had disappeared in the crowd even before your colleague had recovered his presence of mind. Tell him, I pray you, that the elusive Pimpernel, whom he knows so well never assumes a fanciful disguise. He discovered the real Paul Molay first, studied him, learned his personality until his own became a perfect replica of the miserable Cato. It was the false Paul Molay who induced Jeanette Marcal to introduce him originally into the household of citizen Marat. It was he who gained the confidence of his employer he for consideration borrowed the identity papers of his real prototype he again who for a few francs induced the real paul mole to follow him into the house of the murdered demagogue and to mingle there with the throng he who thrust the identity papers back into the hands of the rightful owner whilst he himself was swallowed up by the crowd but it was the real paul Molay who was finally arrested and who is now lingering in the Abbey prison. Whence you, citizen Fouquier-Tinville, must free him on the instant, on pain of suffering yourself for the nightmares of your friend. The second fact, he went on with the same good-humoured pleasantry, which our friend, citizen Chauvelin, had forgotten, was that, though I happen to have aroused his unconquerable ire, I am but one man amongst a league of gallant English gentlemen." their chief i am proud to say but without them i should be powerless without one of them near me by the side of the murdered marat i could not have rid myself of the ring in time before other rough hands had searched me to my skin without them i could not have taken madeline lenoy's child from out that terrible hell to which a miscreant's lustful revenge had condemned the poor innocent but while citizen chauvelin racked with triumph as well as with anxiety was rushing from the laridan's house to yours and thence to the abbe prison to gloat over his captive enemy the league of the scarlet pimpernel carefully laid and carried out its plans at leisure disguised as men of the Surette we took advantage of the laridan's terror to obtain access into the house. Brightened to death by our, our warnings, as well as by Citizen Chauvelin's threats, they not only admitted us into their house, but actually placed Madeleine Lanois' child in our charge. Then they went contentedly to bed, and we, before the real men of the Surrette arrived upon the scene, were already safely out of the way. "'My gallant English friends are some way out of Paris by now, escorting Madeleine Lanois and her child into safety. "'They will return to Paris, citizen,' continued the audacious adventurer, with a laugh full of joy and of unconquerable vitality, and be my henchman as before, in many an adventure which will cause you and citizen Chauvelin to gnash your teeth with rage. "'But I myself will remain in Paris.' he concluded lightly, yes, in Paris, under your very nose, and entirely at your service. The next second he was gone, and Folkier-Tinville was left to marvel if the whole apparition had not been a hideous dream. Only there was no doubt that he was gagged and tied to a chair with cords, and here his wife found him an hour later when she woke from her first sleep anxious because he had not yet come to bed. End of Book 1, Chapter 12 Recording by Linda Andreth